So Money episode 1064, Ask Farnoosh is back, everybody. And I've got a special guest with me, Georgia Lee Hussey from Modernist Financial. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everybody. July 3rd. I think today's an official business holiday, although what, what is a Friday? What is a business? What is a job? That's, that's a joke. Tomorrow is 4th of July. We're just going to probably hang tight in our house. We've been hearing fireworks all month though. Like, I don't know what is going on. I haven't really been exploring that, but that is interesting. Looking forward to uh, just barbecuing and, you know, keeping it low key this year. I'm very excited to be back and doing these Friday Ask Farnooshes. Everybody's been so patient as we have dedicated most of June to the Black Wealth Matter series. Uh, We've heard from people like Queen Latifah, Rachel Rogers, Donovan Ramsey, the Budget Nista. So if you haven't taken a moment to listen to some of these amazing individuals talk about how they've built wealth, the advice they have for people who want to follow in their footsteps. We talk about the intersections of race and money. And look, for me, I found myself at times uncomfortable. Like I want to make sure that I'm being appropriate and asking my questions in such a way that doesn't offend, but it's okay for me to be uncomfortable. You know, I'm I felt like I was stumbling all over myself uh, as I was asking these questions to my guests, trying to sound eloquent and not um, silly or or ignorant. But then I realized, like, it's not about me, right? I hope that my listeners will and my guests will be okay with me stumbling all over myself. But I think there was something to be said about just asking the question. And that's the way we're going to learn. That's the way I learned. This was an incredibly transformative month for me. And I don't want it just to be a month, right? We want this to continue. Uh, we don't want people to forget about Black Lives Matter. So continue to send me guest recommendations. Um, we quickly filled up an entire month with fabulous Black people. You know, after just a couple of requests like, hey, do you know a friend? Do you have someone in mind? Do you have someone you want to hear from? So imagine if we, I mean, it's it's not that hard. I'm speaking just from the, on behalf of media, for media for to say like, oh, we just couldn't find someone of color or a black person to talk about this issue. Like you can just, <laughs> just make the effort. They're, they're all over the place. They are blazing trails. They are doing excellent work and uh, they just uh, deserve the spotlight. Thank you to everybody who was patient, allowing me to, to dedicate the Fridays at least to also Black Wealth Matters, uh, but we are back with regular programming. And I was thinking about how to come back with a a real comeback, and that is to bring on my friend, Georgia Lee Hussey, who we're going to hear from momentarily. You know her well. She's a friend of the podcast, founder of Modernist Financial, really encourages us to think more thoughtfully and deeply about our finances. And we have a lot of questions today about, you know, what to do with our money. If we're thinking about buying real estate, we're thinking about going back to school, we're thinking about whether to keep more cash on hand or take out a loan. I think a lot of us are still in that camp. It's still a pandemic. We're still in a recession. That hasn't changed. Before we get to the questions, though, let's go to the iTunes review section. And just first of all, 
announced that we've crossed a thousand reviews, five-star reviews, I should say. We have over 1,100 reviews, but a thousand five-star reviews. And because I've been absent on these Fridays answering your questions and also giving the free 15-minute phone calls to people who've left reviews, I'm going to do three three announcements today of people who are going to get these calls. And so three people who've left reviews in the last month, and then each one of those individuals will receive a free 15-minute phone call with me as my thank you to spend some time talking about whatever's on your money mind. But I want to say thank you first to Amland2 on June 4th, left a podcast review, five stars, saying, know nothing, start here. I legitimately knew nothing before listening to this show. It is refreshing to hear someone that isn't a white man talking about finances. I have more confidence as a result of listening to this show. Cheers to Farnoosh for empowering women to feel part of the financial system. We matter. Well, thank you so much. I think I want to say your name's Amanda, but it's not. It's Amland too. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Email me, Farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. We will get a time together to chat. Also, thank you to Crickles the Dawn. This is so fun reading these uh, these aliases. June 5th, vital, vital, vital financial information. This person has been listening to the podcast for at least two years and loves the expertise, the delivery of information, the guests, goes on and on and on and says that um, this is only one of two podcasts that this person listens to. So I'm truly honored in that. Crickles the Dawn. So email me, Farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. Let me know you left the review on June 5th and I will connect. And also thank you to Mel43NYC. Going to go shout out to my NYC friend here, formerly of NYC myself, moved to New Jersey last month. You can read all about it. I'm a new contributing editor to Next Advisor, which is a new personal finance platform that is through Time Magazine. It is in partnership with Time Magazine. I wrote all about our move all about how we got here, the move, the mortgage, the closing, all that crazy stuff that happened to us in the month of April, May when we were buying this house. But you know, I miss Brooklyn, love New Jersey, but Mel, 43 NYC, hope you're doing okay in New York. She says, or he says, I've been listening to this podcast for a while, really like her directness and attitude towards money and life. I get many ideas from her podcast and often find myself in a very positive state of mind when listening to So Money. Well, thank you so much, Mel. Email me. Let me know you left the review. I will be in touch soon and we will be chit-chatting before you know it. And yeah, just really excited about Next Advisor. If you haven't been checking it out, time.com slash nextadvisor or just nextadvisor.com. This is a new financial platform. I'm a contributor uh, along with some really amazing financial thought leaders and experts. Georgia, we got to get you on there. Uh, (laughs) Georgia Lee Hussey, welcome to So Money. Welcome back. How are you? Oh, I'm good. It's so nice to be here as always. And I'm very excited about the Black Wealth Matters uh, episodes. I am a huge Queen Latifah fan. Yes. Oh, you must listen. I can't even stand it. So... I mean, she's such a... Starting to blush. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then we also, I filmed it too, so you can watch the video. She was in her home in in LA. She was at the time of the interview promoting. It's a program that she started where she selects two female filmmakers 
to help them produce their short films in partnership with the Tribeca Film team and then also uh, Procter & Gamble. And it's airing on BET this year. So she was talking about that initiative. It's called the Queen Collective. And it's its second year. And so that was sort of the jumping off point. But then we got into so much more about like, you know, growing up in Newark, New Jersey, the things that her mom taught her, learning the hard way how to run a business, the charlatans who took advantage of her money. And and it's unfortunately not a unique story of you kind of like learning the hard way when you become wealthy and you're working in entertainment. You're a target, unfortunately, for a lot of um, people who want to take advantage of your money. So that was interesting. And then, of course, her thoughts on Black Lives Matters and how to build wealth as a Black individual. And so, yeah, check out Queen Latifah. She's so fun, too. Like, she's just always up for a laugh and has a great spirit. Yeah, very proud of that. But Georgia, how have you been? Oh, all the way up in Portland, Oregon, the Pacific Northwest, complete opposite part of the continent as I am. How are you? How are things going? We're well. I think the the exciting protesting and the civil rights activity right now is so um, invigorating, as well as I think what you, you said it so well, this op- these opportunities to be uncomfortable to me are a signal that we're doing the right thing. When we're uncomfortable, that's when we're growing and learning. And um, I've personally, as a uh, white woman, gotten very comfortable or used to maybe saying dumb mm-hmm dumb things and then learning to unwind them and understand them more deeply. And so I'm, um, I've been on the equity path for a while now and it's really fun to have everybody talking about it in a way that I hope produces change for many generations to come. So, um, it's exciting to me. Yeah, it definitely does feel different this time. And that was stuff that was echoed on during the series from my guests saying like, this definitely feels like, there is potential for real change this time. Mm-hmm. And I think our responsibility is just to keep the light shining and to keep the conversation going and not have it become background noise. Because yeah, once the once the rallies and the marches subside, I feel like the media stops covering it. And that's a shame. You know, there's so much work that still needs to be done, that it continues to be done, that deserves attention. And Mm -hmm. so shifting gears a little bit, you know, I've, like I said earlier, I've been delaying these episodes, these Ask Farnoosh Friday episodes, but we're back. And the questions are just as robust and interesting as they've always been. We've got questions about taking advantage of credit cards right now because we're in a low interest rate environment, taking advantage of low interest if you're looking to take out a student loan or should you be more, should be paying with cash and buying a home. A friend of ours wants to buy a home in Seattle. Yvette has a question about that. So let's start with Michael who wrote in and said, I have an unusual high expense coming in the near future. And I'm looking for advice on how to take advantage via credit card promotions. Is it worth it? And what would be the best promotional signup bonus to credit card? Now, I'm going to say to Michael that like we don't I don't really recommend credit cards, specific credit cards on this show, uh, but we can give you some things to look for in a credit card or where to go to find the best credit cards. But like, I think there's an underlying question here before we get to sort of the the what credit card to get. Uh, Georgia, I think maybe there's an interesting thing to address here, which is financing a big purchase, looking to benefit somehow with a credit card 
in paying for this for this thing, whatever it is. What are our thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's fine as long as you can pay it off in full. Yeah, I think for me, you know, as you know, I always try and bring things back to the money story that is driving our behavior. And because we almost always have some internal um, narrative that is driving our choices. And for me, when I hear these questions around credit cards, um, I, I, often wonder if there's a sense that there's something like exciting or a game about credit cards. Um, and I think credit cards produce the sense with mileage points and cash back, this sort of like this idea that you can outsmart the system. And you can, if you, to your point, have cash to pay it off. If you can, if you can use a card, get points or get cash back um, and pay it off immediately, I'm generally okay with that. But my experience is those points can start to drive us to make choices that are maybe not in our best interest um, because it seems fun or you can you can outsmart the system. But I've often seen people pay way more in interest than they ever got in value um, from the points or cash back. Yes. I think to answer Michael's question about sort of how to, if you are already, and I assume yes, the answer is yes, that you're going to pay this off in full because otherwise you're not really going to benefit from whatever perk the credit card is offering because the interest is going to eat up whatever cash back or points you're going to earn. But thinking about, you know, what is what is the benefit that you want? Do you want mm-hmm. cash back? There are cards mm-hmm. that do that. Do you want to, I mean, no one's traveling much right now, but <laughs> are you going to like take all this pent up desire to travel next year and go somewhere far, far away and hopefully use credit card points for that? Perhaps this is an opportunity to open up a travel rewards card. Um, so this is really up to you. And there are always these two sites that I recommend for credit card shopping, and that is Nerd Wallet and then Bankrate. And mm-hmm. you can search by, again, like what your lifestyle you know wants. What is it that you want to benefit from? You could just also see what you have in your wallet. Like, is there a card in your wallet that is already a quote unquote rewards card that you can further leverage with this purchase. And I so want to know what this big purchase is. You left that out. That's a real (laughs) bummer for me. I always want to know the deets. Yeah. All right. Denise is up next. She says, Hey, Farnoosh, I'd love your insight on some upcoming financial moves that may make or break me. Oh, wow. This is high stakes. (laughs) She says, I'm a teacher. I have zero debt. I have a Roth IRA, a pension. I have good credit. And she has lots of money in savings. Um, Going back to grad school and wondering if I should pay it in cash each semester. I've I've been told to hold on to my cash because of this recession. What do you advise? So the question here really is student loans or pay in cash? each semester. And I, you know, if it's the situation where all of her savings is going to be depleted to pay for school, maybe there's a hybrid method. Maybe she could do part cash, part loan so that she's not graduating with zero in savings, but also not with an exorbitant amount in debt. Yeah. It's an interesting question. I just was uh, speaking to a child of one of our clients about this exact situation. And what I ended up recommending was If they can get a federal loan, which generally comes with some great additional flexibility for deferrals or income-based repayments, that to consider doing that while you're in school, um, that would give you, you're basically paying interest to have flexibility once grad school is over. That's really relevant if if this grad school 
um, investment is going to put you in a place to look for a new job. Um, and then you have that option after school to refinance, pay it all off, pay it off in pieces. Um, because I found in my bits of research, the re the post-grad school refinance market is way better than the initial loan market um, for federal loans. So um, I'm a big believer in flexibility and choices, um, as I think I say every time I'm on your podcast. So my apologies if I sound repetitive. But the, mm. when you've got a pile of cash, cash is queen. Take good, good care of her. And if you can use the, the loan system to let you leverage your cash for a longer period of time, that's that has a significant value in a moment where there's um, uncertainty in the economic markets. Mm -hmm. I have to agree with that. I think that letting go of a substantial amount of cash right now, even though you're doing it towards something like an education, which you know arguably is a great place to invest, I would be concerned about, you know, coming out of that and then not having money and then not knowing where the job market is going to be too. Or you're going to be able to find a job right away. You might have to use your savings to pay for your, uh, your rent and all of that until, until cash comes in again. So yeah, I think federal loans, definitely the better of the two options versus, you know, federal versus private. And, mm -hmm. I have a feeling like college costs have to come down. And is there a way to have a conversation with the Bursar's office, the financial aid office and say, do you have grants? Do you have scholarships? Are there other ways for me to, are there more affordable tracks for me to go on? You know, how, how I think there's something to be said about educating yourself a little bit more, asking the school, how are they going to make this worth it to you? The application rates are not going to be what they've have been. I just don't think that's going to hold up in this environment. I think people are going to take gap years. I think they're going to look into other forms of education, but like traditional college and grad school is going to have a reckoning, especially some schools that have not been proving their worth in terms of, you know, bringing the jobs to this, to the graduates. I would also recommend um, going to your local community foundations. I know here in Oregon, uh, our community foundation has a huge scholarship arm. Um, and often those scholarships are not well known. And I would guess that there's somebody who's, there are several, many people who've started scholarships for teachers to go back to graduate school. It just seems like the kind of thing people would want to put money behind. So that's another idea as well, to your point is to get, um, to do a bit more research and see if you can't find some more money to help you maybe even just pay the interest on the loans mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> in the years that you're in school. Right. Thank you, Denise, and good luck to you. All right. Next up is Yvette, and she's in Seattle, not too far from you, and wants to know what to do as far as real estate. So currently she's renting in Seattle and affordably so, less than 30% of her income on rent. She would like to live in Seattle for another five years. She has enough cash on hand to buy a home outright, but not in Seattle because home prices are high in Seattle. So out of budget for her in Seattle, she'd have to take out a loan. So she has a question, which is, does it make sense to either purchase a home in another state that we could use as a vacation home and maybe visit two or three times a year and eventually retire in that home? Should we, or should we keep the cash given the current pandemic and the economy, although we do have job security and we would uh, save enough as an emergency fund? Or should we, lastly, buy a home in Seattle, just suck it up, finance the difference given the low rates 
Um, and but that would put us in a bit of debt. So I I would I want to defer to you on this because I do think that you are very good at detecting some underlying <laughs> like what is the real question because it's really like for me it's it's it is about the money but it's also about like what do you want because yeah. you're talking to me about vacation home and thinking about retirement versus another option which is just like to stay put versus taking a bit of a a risk and and taking on some debt so I just I feel like. If she, if Yvette wasn't were in front of us, I'd be like, "What is your gut telling you, mm-hmm. and what is driving this, this these questions?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so interested in the idea of buying a home outright. Um, that to me doesn't seem, uh, there's a story there that's saying that that is the best use of resources. Um, it would generally not be what I recommend. I have almost. I would say all of our high net worth clients have a mortgage because they understand opportunity cost between debt they can afford and growing their money in the markets. So this is how I break it down. Um, First of all, home debt is generally a smart use of resources. If you keep it below the $750,000 maximum amount that you can deduct, and I'm going to just do some simple math. So let's assume that you can get one of these gorgeous interest rates of 3% that are happening right now for a mortgage, a 30 year mortgage, and you have an effective tax rate for federal and state of 35%. So your after tax interest rate is actually 1.95%. That is super duper cheap money, especially if you consider the fact that inflation is projected to be at 2%. It's practically free money at that point. And then you look at, say, taking this money and growing it in the market for your retirement for your 80-year-old self, where I would, you know, based on your whatever your risk level is, you could have a 5 to 8% return over the next 20, 40 per years. So um, there's some questions in here for me about, What is your personal relationship with debt? Is that relationship with debt inherited from stories you were told as a child or from dominant culture or your culture specifically? And is that still smart? Or are those stories about debt more tied to times when, you know, I have a friend who is in his 70s and he was super excited when he had a 13% interest rate on his mortgage. So that's a very different story about home debt than 3%. Um, So I think that's the first piece is unpack the story that's driving these questions. And then the other question I hear in here, or the other story I'm hearing in here is something about homes and investing. And first of all, when you live in a house, it's not an investment, it's the place you live in. Um, But it's it is, uh, I think it's important to remember that real estate is a very volatile market with very high transaction costs and it can be very illiquid. So I think there's a story in America specifically that buying real estate is, is safe when it actually, when you look at the returns of asset classes over the past 20 years, real estate is one of the highest, um, it's the most volatile with a similar return as the market at large with way higher costs Mm -hmm. and you still got to fix the dishwasher. So I think that there's just some underlying, some underlying stories that would be really helpful to un to unwind. And then if you have clarity with that, then you can say, we're going to be here for seven to 10 years. We want to live in this place We're we're doing this for our family or our community or whatever's important to you. And then the, I think, and here's my relationship with that. And then I think the answer will become clearer. 
Yeah, does that's that make a, sense? yes, it does. It really okay. does. I want to re- echo what you said about a home being a place where you live in and not an investment. You know, if you do have desires to become a landlord and invest in a property that you would mostly rent out during the year, that's a whole different project and a whole different kind of calculus. Um, and in that case, I do think, you know, taking on a mortgage to do that, you're, you're really at the end of the day, it's about cash flow every month. And are you going to be making positive cash flow? I can recommend a resource for you. If you are interested, anyone interested in learning more about real estate investing, Paula Pant has a podcast called Afford Anything. In that podcast, she is very open and transparent about her own real estate portfolio. She's a personal finance expert, but has largely made a lot of her wealth through um, becoming a landlord and can talk about just you know that first place that you buy that's going to be a, an investment vehicle for you, how to assess it, what's the calculation, how to determine if it's going to be cash flow positive, all that important stuff. So if, uh, Yvette, you're leaning towards buying a vacation home, renting it out, then that becoming your retirement place, but this really being a source of wealth building for you, I would recommend Paula Pant. And then also take George's tip sheets because that's that's it. She's got, that's totally the way to go about thinking about this. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point. I, it would, my experience when I see people's individual single family homes that they bought for investment purposes, when we really run the numbers, they often don't make sense really. Um, they would have been better off putting the money in the market or having a plan to get into a multifamily unit in the, as, as soon as possible. Cause that's where you actually make money in real estate. All of that being said, <laughs> I do want to point to the moment that we're in around civil rights and the conversations we're having about real estate and how intense the uh, equity lens could be and I think should be around real estate because this is something that many of us have not had access to uh, because of the history of redlining the GI Bill. So I think that's also an important thing to think about this idea of real estate as a surefire thing and who is it really a surefire thing for yes. historically and in the present moment. So a lot of our clients and a lot of our friends are talking about what if we all committed a percentage for reparations to organizations helping build uh, black and brown wealth mm-hmm. on sale or purchase? What if it was just 1% or half a percent? Because there's a, there's a, again, a sense of who has access to these, to these right. resources to grow wealth. So that's, awesome. that's my, that's my equity ad. I like that. The equity ad. It's so important. Yeah. We've talked about that on the series. Like, I don't want equality. I want equity. <laughs> I want, mm-hmm. I want to get what I deserve. And it's been long overdue. Mm-hmm. Michelle is asking about, um, a, a similar, not a similar question, but related to real estate saying that we were planning to remodel our kitchen and then the virus hit. So that project's on hold right now. She was going to use a HELOC for the remodel, a home equity line of credit. Should I still proceed or hold indefinitely? She says, we've already purchased the cabinets. We have a job, we have jobs, stable income. Part of me says, I deserve a new kitchen. <laughs> I've been planning this for two years and 
but I have a conservative part of me, which is saying, you know, just take, hang tight. Um, we're going into a recession or we are in a recession. So there's a little bit of an emotional pull here, an emotional tug. You know, as far as the HELOC goes, if you don't have the HELOC yet, Michelle, I don't know if you can even get one now. There have been many banks who have announced uh, putting a hold on those HELOC offerings. Credit is getting a lot harder to access in some cases. So if you already have the HELOC, consider yourself fortunate. If it's a low interest rate, then that's an opportunity to sort of borrow um, against your home at a low rate and make these uh, fixing these upgrades to your home. I kind of like the idea of having a project right now if you've got the access to cash or a a really affordable loan and it's going towards your home in a way that could help it appreciate. And if we're going to be spending a lot of time in our homes, then by goodness, I mean, like just put in the addition, you know, like get the pool, get the jacuzzi, get the, we're getting a swing set this weekend. Like, We're not spending on other things, but we are making the most of our homes. And that's what we saw happen in Spain and in Italy and the places where the virus hit earlier. And we got to see what, where people were, where the money was moving and the Mm -hmm. money was moving towards improvements in the home because that's where we're spending a majority of our time. But I don't know, what's the, what's your personal finance expert take on that? Yes, I I think you're pointing to something that's very important in financial decision making, which is to focus on our values, right? I I want us to focus on money stories. I also want to focus on our values. And there is there is such a high value placed on those of us who have the ability to make these kinds of changes on just um, making a space that we want to be in. And if you've spent two years planning this thing, you are super annoyed with your kitchen at this point. <laughs> you see all the things that are wrong with it and all the possibility. Um, and I would all, I would agree with you, Farnoosh, and this is this, if you can afford the HELOC payments, I would just move forward because it seems to me like the um, conservative side might be just speaking from a general sense of um, helplessness and uncertainty in the moment, which is very natural. And I think definitely listen to that. But if you look at the numbers and you're like, you say, yes, we can definitely afford this, then I would do it. Um, I also have some clients who are, who are doing some remodeling and they're doing a HELOC and then planning to refinance um, or refinancing with cash out just because the, the interest rate environment, if you do have a, a good equity position in your home, you can do it in a really smart way um, in terms of the taking on smart debt. So I would say, I'd say do it and have a kitchen you like. <laughs> have a kitchen you like and feel good about where you're living. I think there's a little bit of a, we're all feeling this to some extent, I think, Georgia, like we feel like it's not appropriate (laughs) to do things that are pleasure filled right now, whether that's, there's a lot of guilt, like buying a home, starting a new job. We don't feel like it's appropriate to, well, I mean, we're going to take the job and we're going to buy the home, but like there's a part of us that may feel a little mm, inappropriate, awkward, guilty, because the world is suffering right now. And so mm-hmm. I I hear that in her question where she's like, mm-hmm. I have the money, I got the HELOC, I've mm-hmm. been planning this for two years, but also like the world is falling apart and I feel like it's not quote unquote the right time. I say, live your life, do you, mm-hmm. but you know, be responsible, be thoughtful, be financially savvy, but still do you. 
and don't feel mm-hmm. shameful about it. We're going to root for you here, Michelle. If you're going to invest in your home, the kitchen's the place to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm cooking so much in my house right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful for having the kitchen that I do and not being in my tiny apartment in Brooklyn. I'm saving a lot of money by you know, joyously cooking in my home and not feeling like I have to just order in because I will kill myself. So do it. I mean, you have our blessing. If this is something that you can do financially, soundly, then then do it. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're going to end, Georgia. Thank you so much. I think this was a great comeback, a great yes. re-entry to Absolutely. Ask Formation, Georgia. It's always so fun to chat. Yeah. I mean, what are your plans for this summer? You know, I'm hearing people like, well, we weren't going to get on a plane to go somewhere, but we're going to go on weekend rentals and mm-hmm. um Maybe people aren't going to Paris, but they're going to, you know, an hour away somewhere and getting a cabin. Yeah, that's exactly. I I decided to take a two week vacation because I realized I hadn't had one in a year and I'm going away for a Sola vacation, just me and myself. And I got a little cabin and up in the mountains and no cell phone reception, no Wi-Fi. Oh, so excited. <laughs> I can't even tell you. So um, this is like your last hurrah before you do that. You decided to come on my podcast. I'm so honored. I can't think of a better thing to do with my time. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you. We're so happy to reconnect and thank you for all the sage advice as always. Everyone check out Modernist Financial and we will be, have you back very soon. Wonderful. Thank you, Varnish. Thank you. 